The following is a Kingfisher Media Production. We've been led to believe that a book can be judged by its cover. But what if that's not true? What would happen if we took a few minutes with a stranger and walked away thinking, this is what I like about you? Today, my guest is Julia Starzik. And as usual, I know nothing at all about her. We had just a brief chat before we started recording, and I'm really, really looking forward to today's talk. So without any further delay, Julia, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Welcome in my house. (laughs) (laughs) So when we were chatting just a couple of minutes ago, we were just talking about how you've got a dog who's got an interesting habit when he meets new people or when she meets new people. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, my dog, her breed is she's a Shishon, which is a mixture of Shih Tzu with Bichon Priest. And she's also called a teddy bear dog. That's that's, that's really the background of her genetics. Uh, But she absolutely loves everybody. I mean, she always licks everybody coming in, even not coming in. She like always awaits a postman to come in and she always starts with the feet and then she goes to the face and it's exactly in that order. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's a welcome from my dog. I've heard a lot over the years that dogs tend to not only resemble their owners uh, visually, but often their, their behaviors are very similar with their owners too. I'm I'm assuming you don't lick guests feet and faces when they come to your house, but do do they get a friendly welcome when, when they come in? No, they usually, you know, always are welcome. I, I, I like to run my house that is usually open to everybody. So, you know, if somebody wants a cup of tea or if anybody wants to have a chat, they're always welcome. Uh, but to be fair, I think my, my dog is nothing to do with me or my husband or anything. The only sound she actually reacts to is not her name. It's nothing along the lines of, you know, what you, what you say to the normal dog. She only reacts when somebody opens the fridge. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, dogs, so, they, 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 they like food, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only sound she actually reacts to. If you open the fridge door downstairs, she could be in the deepest sleep ever. She's going to be there straight away. <laughs> Okay, so we know you're a dog person. How do you feel about cats? I never really had a cat, so I kind of have mixed feelings because, you know, if you never really tried something, you you, you don't really know what to think. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm not against cats, but I don't think there's the similar connection as as I've got with, with dogs, so... Uh, yeah I'm, I'm a typical dog person unfortunately i never had a cat and i don't think i'm gonna give them a chance anytime soon now my my ex-wife used to really get upset with me all the time because i'd always tell her i'm a dog person i i hate cats and she said well why do you hate cats and i'd say i spend so much of my time working for your affection I feel like a cat's the same sort of thing. I got to work so hard for this cat's affection. I prefer the blind loyalty of a dog. I never understood unconditional love until I got a dog. You know, you come home at the end of a bad day. It doesn't matter how what kind of a day your husband or your kids or whoever had. The dog is happy to see you, right? 
like there's nothing wrong with that but a cat i don't know i I just they may be lovely they don't bring that same thing to the table for me (laughs) no exactly i mean you know, there are some people who love cats. I respect that. I appreciate that. But I, I was always, you know, since I was a child, we always had a dog. So I always wanted to have a dog. When I came to London for two years, I couldn't have a, a I couldn't have a dog for, for various reasons, you know, for, for the accommodation to start with, you know, I, I couldn't really have a dog at the time. So, uh, when I when I could have that that you know puppy eventually it was like okay let's do it same day pick up you know here it is hello doggy <laughs> and yeah it's like you said you you could have the worst day ever there's always someone at home waiting for you and she's always happy when I come in she always you know wants to stay nearby even now that we're recording this podcast she has to be held downstairs by my husband. <laughs> So that she doesn't make a random appearance right here. <laughs> Maybe we should do an episode sometime in the future where I just have all the guests um, have have their pets overwhelm the camera. Yeah, <laughs> my, my okay, dog. So you... I think she she made an appearance on a couple of different podcasts already, so she's experienced okay. in that. That's good. <laughs> so you, you've mentioned a couple things that I find fascinating. Um, when you talk about growing up with dogs, there, there there seems to be a fondness when you look back on your upbringing. Um, you, you also talked about coming to London. Obviously, you're not from London. Is it important for you to stay connected to your roots? And can you tell us a little bit about where you came from? Um, well, I, I came originally from Poland right here. Uh, the reason why I came is, is even more bizarre. So uh, I failed my exams. I, I wanted to study architecture back in Poland. And back in 2010, uh, we had to pass uh, drawing exams. And I unfortunately failed. So um in order to not to lose a year, I actually went and started studying building engineering, which was essentially just the building next door. Uh, so that really what made me do it. I hated every minute of it. I didn't even finish the first year. I came over to London for summer, just, you know, for a summer job, just to make some extra cash and, and see what the world looks like. And that summer hasn't come to an end yet. <laughs> How long ago was that? um 12 years that's quite a long summer <laughs> yeah well that summer hasn't come to an end yet uh and to be fair even even more funny enough i i came back then and uh probably about six or eight months down the line i started to work uh, in a construction company as a junior project manager <laughs> So I was trying to run away from my building engineering studies and I actually ended up being in the construction world anyway. <laughs> if I was going to walk past you on the street, the last career I would associate with you would be anything to do with construction. I, I well, don't know if that's a silly a, a assumption or a, a reaction, but that just, I guess, the way my mind works. Well, you know, that, that, that's the surprising bit, right? 
we, we never really know what's the stranger about. I had so many things, you know, some people think I'm a vet, some people think I'm like an SEO person or the content creator. And then I actually say, uh, well, I'm a project manager and I uh, actually, you know, I plan and manage refurbishment projects for high net worth people based in London. And they're like, oh, really? <laughs> so you work in construction? And I say, yes, I do. You know, it happens to be 10 years. <laughs> See, this is like really interesting stuff. Because I mean, I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm a bigot thinking, well, a woman can't work in the trades. I met my, my ex-wife actually working in construction. She's one of the most talented carpenters I think I've ever met. And my one of my best friends also, she's a project manor, manager in the in the construction world. So I don't know. I just something about your face just doesn't feel very construction-y. But you're what you're it's doing. The lack for a of living, helmet, right? Let's, yeah, let's maybe that's that. it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe if I didn't, if I saw you in your work clothes, it would be a little different. <laughs> But that, that's yeah. actually my professional background, too, is in, you know, renovations and, and, and restorations, as, as we call them here in Canada. And um, I, I don't know, a lot of people don't understand the appeal of working a job like that. And I don't know how it is for you. Maybe it's different. But for me, I, I, I like the challenge of going in when somebody can't see the potential in a space. They've got high hopes, um, but low expectations, and then you can just sort of work some magic and boom, wonder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've I've seen a lot of projects. I'm, I'm I must say, I mean, I've seen loads of stuff from you know garage conversions, you know, and and making the magic happen for twenty grand or something like that. And then I've seen you know really ultra high high prime you know residential refurbishments you know where i think the most expensive really re refurb that i've seen and had had my on my hands was probably a, around eight million pounds i don't really know the conversion rate to canadian dollar but i'm gonna guess it's somewhere around 11 to 12 million it, it, uh, it's a butt ton of money <laughs> yeah quite a lot i'd say uh and you know it's it's quite interesting how people approach these things and and i always you know like to see how it their life is changing because of that as well uh you know there's there's loads of reasons why i niche to the niche that i'm actually working in uh but you know the the main reason is that people actually care about their houses they live yeah. in them they enjoy them they use them what I really don't like is the people that have 20 old houses and they're buying 21st. They're making it right for the future kids of, you know, 20, 20 years down the line that they might have and that might come over to study in London, but they're doing a refurb already now. And then that never really happens. So this property stays empty for 20 odd years and then they sell it eventually. Uh, I just kind of, I, yeah, I, I just really enjoy working with those people who, who want to, you know, the, the finishes they choose or, or the features they have, they mean something to them. They want them for a reason, not just because they can. And this is really what, what I enjoy the most. 
You are listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow, and share. I was, I was talking with someone earlier, and um, we, we kind of came to this conclusion that people usually work with me for two reasons, because they're moving from far away into London, and they don't have the time to keep traveling back and forward here to oversee the project that they're doing. But once it's ready, they want to stay in it and they want to live in it. And the second reason is they're pregnant. So the lady's pregnant and the guy is doing everything he possibly can to keep her as far as possible from the work that <laughs> is happening. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. deep, deeply personal thing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, these, these two reasons really are most common because, you know, this gives those people an opportunity to get involved in the in the funny bits, right? In choosing the paint colors and wallpapers and deciding on the bathroom tiles or, you know, the color of the taps. So I get to do everything they don't want to do, you know, talk to the building control people, making sure all the planning and licensing is sorted, that there, there are sockets either side of the beds yeah. and the stuff that just has to be there. That nobody really talks about, right? Well, you, you you have to be able to think about the details that other people don't think about until it's too late. You know, like a simple thing, like a socket on either side of the bed. When you're doing a building project uh, as a as a homeowner, you don't think about how annoying it's going to be if that socket isn't there. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you get to anticipate these needs, but at the same time, there's a lot of decisions people, I, I think, like you say, they, they don't like to make. Do you find that you have to be like really perceptive of their likes and dislikes and kind of get to know them well enough to anticipate what they're going to want? Uh, well, my, 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 process or the starting process is usually you know one of the questions I ask is how involved do you want to be because there is a, a group of people who want to be very much you know hands-on and you know involved in the process in choosing and everything else which is absolutely fine uh, but there is a group of people who are very much like you know just just deal with it you know I want I want a socket next to my bed so I can plug a phone once I'm sleeping it's charging that's it right so depending on on that factor and that element maybe you know we either agree that the principal decisions are these and then everything else I get to decide uh, or you know we agree that they want to be involved and they want to have a saying in the decorative finishes or whatever it might be but there are certain elements that are you know standards we call them so for example a standard cabinet height in the kitchen is 720 mil plus a 30 mil worktop so it's 750 mil from uh from the floor and this is the standard so unless, you know, my client is a basketball player and he needs an ultra high kitchen, that's what it's going to be, right? So yeah. these are the typical things that, you know, we deal with behind, behind the scenes that we don't even ask them unless there's something that we need to talk about. I had a client, the kitchen is a great, great example because kitchen is usually not only the heart of the, of the house, 
but it tells a lot about the people that live there. For example, my kitchen, I always hated having everything, you know, on display on top of the worktops. So the way I design my kitchen is everything is hidden. There's nothing on the worktop. Even the coffee machine's hidden. Everything's hidden. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I've, I've got drawers sliding out, you know, with the, with the splash bag so that the coffee machine actually slides out. You can make coffee, you slide it back in. Uh, and another client, uh, you know, he, they only eat breakfast at home. They never really cook because they usually eat somewhere, you know, in a restaurant or they just eat out mainly. Or if they're at home, they just have a takeout. They never really cook in that sense. So they have uh, like a breakfast space. And, you know, essentially it's like a sliding wardrobe. You can open it, you have your breakfast, you prepare whatever you need. You slide the doors back in, it's closed, done for the day, right? And the kitchen still looks perfect. So it's actually understanding all these patterns and how people use the kitchen, what they do there, how, how it works for them. And, and that tells you quite a lot about, you know, what are their liking and what is the style that they want to follow. And that's really, you know, how, how it works. Do you find that, like the the way you have to approach clients, do you, do you find that that affects the way you approach personal relationships? Because like I, I hear a lot of what you're saying about like these preliminary conversations you have with a customer trying to find out with you how involved do you want to be, what sorts of things are important to you, what sorts of things do you just want me to deal with, like for me personally, I'm a bit of a weirdo because like, I'm used to having those conversations too. So I find like when I meet new people, I tend to have these same types of preliminary conversations where I try to establish clear parameters. Are you guilty of this? Yeah. Uh, I probably am. I mean, I always compare myself with, with an assistant, with a personal assistant, right? So if you have a personal assistant, you know, she deals with your diary. She has access to all your emails. Uh, she knows the birthday of your wife, your mom, your mistress, whoever it might be, right? Uh, and she kind of has to make these decisions. Or if, you if you say to her, uh, I need you to send, you know, can you just buy a, a, a present for my mom's birthday? She, she's not going to ask you what is it that you want or, you know, what size of shoes is your mom wearing? She's just going to go and do it, right? She might tell you, uh, just so you know, I bought her this and that. Because if she calls you to say thank you, this is what you got her, right? But essentially, nobody really likes their assistants to be asking too many questions. There is that, you know, element of, sorted out i'm busy doing my my millions somewhere else right mm -hmm. and that's really my job it's just a different environment rather than dealing with the personal stuff i deal with that refurbishment project environment that they didn't go into in order for me to ask gazillion of questions and send them all the emails in the world about uh, you know, how many sockets do you need in your garden? And would you like your your lawnmower to be, you know, green on purple? Because it doesn't really matter. It just needs to do the job. Well, if they had the time for the these day. details, they wouldn't call you, right? Exactly. So, uh, you know, th there is 
a certain period of time where we kind of, you know, we have to establish some boundaries, right? And we have to, for both ways to understand, you know, what's, you know, what is the bids that you want to get involved? What is the process that you want to follow and how you want the whole, the whole thing to work? But once this is kind of like set in stone, then we just say, okay, let's, let's now go with it, right? Uh, like I said, nobody really likes these phone calls, you know, from the builders, from the site saying, well, you know, sir, we have a problem here because these doors in bathroom seven, they're opening left instead of right. Is that going to be a massive inconvenience for you? And you're in the middle, middle of the board meeting talking about, you know, investing 20 million into a startup somewhere else right <laughs> it's just yeah everything has its time and space and i just think you know if this is established at the beginning then it's just easier so you spend a lot of your time probably most of your waking hours consumed with everybody else's details how, how do you uh, I, inc I incorporate like time to for yourself I like to think I'm I'm an, I'm a good observer. I notice a lot of things, and and funny enough, when I talk to people, I usually know a lot about them because I see quite you know a few patterns, you know, even in the emails they send me or how it works and what happens, how they pick up the phone, how they talk to other people, and and things like that. So I, I'd like to think I'm, I'm a good observer on the, on that front. Uh, but how how do I find the time for myself? I mean, I hardly ever pick up the phone. I must say I'm terrible with that because I'm usually either on the meeting or I've got my day, you know, scheduled to a maximum capacity. And you know, I can't. I hardly ever can actually pick up. So if I don't, if I don't, it's not because I'm ignoring anybody. I'll call them the next day or as soon as I can. Uh, I just. Yeah, I mean, I tend to have that rule of no no work over the weekend. That's like set in stone. The weekend is mine and it's for the family. Well, I mean, you mentioned a husband and a dog. I don't know if you've got kids, but definitely a husband and a dog alone would be enough where these, these are people that count on you to be there at least some of the time. And yeah, it's... I'm oh, sorry, I... My phone's going off. I usually mute it during conversations. That's um, okay. Well, it's life, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have kids. I mean, I do. I do have a dog. She's with me most of the time, anyway. But yeah, I, I do have a. I do have a husband as well. And funny enough, we're working in a similar industry. He he works. Uh, he he's a director in a company doing bespoke joinery. Okay. Uh, so. They, they manufacture, you know, high-end bespoke wardrobes, cabinets, bathrooms, stuff, uh, you know, kitchens as well, and this type of thing. So it does happen that we work together occasionally. So we do see each other sometimes during the week. Uh, but yeah, like like we said, I, I kind of set in stone that the weekend is, is for the family. You know, everybody needs that time off. Just switch off everything, switch off computers, switch off your, your mind and just focus on yourself. Uh, and that seems to work quite well. I yeah, I don't I don't I don't know to be fair. I, I think that's interesting though that 
you know, you and your husband are working not in the same exact uh, industry, but I mean, you're, you're working in related industries anyway. So you've got something to talk about at the end of the day <laughs> where you're, you're going to understand each other's struggles or um, accomplishments or anything that comes up really. Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to think as well that we, we kind of support each other on, on that front. Cause if you, if you think about it, you know, I, I always say that all the mistakes are not really coming because, you know, they're coming from negligence or someone was lazy enough. They're usually coming from the miscommunication along the line somewhere, right? Uh, and and he kind of believes that, you know, the, the mistakes that happen or if anything goes wrong, it's just because people take too much work on them. So on that on that front, we can always, you know, support each other because if he's got too much of the work, I didn't help him, you know, reschedule some of the stuff or plan it differently or it's always good to have somebody on the other side right who can bounce ideas off you and just say have you thought about doing something differently mm -hmm. so to, them, to be fair that that's most of the conversations like the dinner conversation so that's not really healthy <laughs> Well, it, it must make your relationship a little bit easier than it is for a lot of people just because of the nature of your job and his job. You don't have the luxury of making excuses in the professional world. I would imagine that you probably make less excuses for yourself in your personal life as a result. It just because it's just not part of the habit that you're in. Um. To be fair, I, I don't really know. I mean, um, I definitely know a lot about, you know, furniture making and joinery in general because it's kind of, you know, hard not to do it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're a little bit two different ends of the spectrum. He's very much technical. He's very much, you know, into how things work, how to put them together. Whereas I'm... I'm not strictly about how do they look, but I'm always about where's the money going, how long is that going to take, and what can we do to make it quicker, easier, or cheaper. Uh, so, so on that front, it's it's quite interesting that you know we've got these two different perspectives. He sometimes gets stuck in that technical, you know, perfection and quality of something, whereas I look at things a little bit from a different angle. So we we. Yeah, it does happen that we exchange ideas and, and how how things should look like. But yeah, it's it's not always it's not always as good for the family kind of, you know, home atmosphere because if we argue it's like, you know, a silence for a week or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean if you if you can go a week without talking to each other you know, I, I think that says a lot about the quality of a relationship, though, because if you have it in your heart to get annoyed with each other enough to say, you know what, I love you enough to hate you right now. There, there's some passion there. You know, yeah. some people, they well, just don't care enough to argue. It's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. We could just put it aside and move on. I never trust a relationship like that. Yeah, well, I don't really... I don't really 
believe in, in relationships. When people stop talking, that usually means they don't care. And, you know, we, we usually, well, every two days, my husband discovers that for the last four years, we have a dishwasher. And that this dishwasher had, had to be unloaded two days ago. That's like the surprise every other day. <laughs> so, yeah. He, he sounds like a fairly typical guy then. Well, I, I, I told him last weekend, you know, let's wait another couple of years and I'll tell you about the washing machine. that's good though if you could take one of these ongoing frustrations and turn it into something that you can joke about at least with me you know (laughs) oh god there's there's a better joke so uh we have like a sweets cupboard so you know all of the sweets at home are, are basically stored there uh and my husband has like a like a tin in the shape of a big m&m uh, you know, the little M&M's, the chocolate with a peanut inside, right? Uh, and uh, I bought it like maybe two or three years ago. I think he, he got it from me when I came from, from Poland or somewhere. I bought it at the airport or somewhere. Anyway, so it's basically in that sweet cupboard. And I usually, you know, put all the M&M's into it. Uh, and one day he was sitting on the couch, he was watching something. I was like sitting on the other end. And suddenly he wakes up uh, and says to the dog, let's have some M&Ms. So he took the tin, they had all the M&Ms. And then he says to the dog again, and now I will show you the magic trick. Do you want to see a magic trick? And I'm listening <laughs> what's going on here. <laughs> and he says, look, I'm going to put this tin into the cupboard now. And all we have to do now is wait. In a few days, it will be full again. And I'm listening there like, what <laughs> So I'm the one doing the magic trick because when it's empty, I actually put the evidence. Well, every house has got a magician, I've learned. Because yeah, um, well, my, my, my wife is always getting upset with my, with my son and I. He's 14 years old. And we like to eat sweets when we're watching tv and you know a lot of time the sweets they're individually wrapped and we both tend to get a little bit lazy with taking the wrappers and putting them in the bin so what we do is we stick them in between the sofa cushions and every time i go to stick my hand in there to put in a a, a sweet wrapper i notice that all the previous ones have magically disappeared (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it's Yeah, I do get that. (laughs) Thank you for listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow, and share. So this might be like an odd time to ask this question because we're, you know, like a half hour into this conversation now. I don't even know um, why it is that you were interested in talking on a podcast. Because you're you're not a podcaster, a content creator, as I understand. Yet, <laughs> that's the Yet. key word okay. here. So I'm actually looking to start my own podcast. And uh, over Christmas, I, I was kind of looking into how people approach it, like what's the conversation about, how is that happening? Uh, because of the area that, that I work in, uh, I happen to know quite a few interesting people. Uh, and I 
would love to have these conversations and you know record them so that other people can can see what's going on uh my my podcast doesn't doesn't even have a name yet uh to be fair i think the working title for now is um people behind the the super rich so it's basically about all the people that exist in the world of super rich but us normal people don't even know about them that actually sounds like fascinating stuff that is a podcast i would a hundred percent listen to <laughs> yeah I, I will caution well, you though i mean it's exciting you think about starting a podcast i remember years ago when i was contemplating starting my first one i've got four now and a fifth one on the way it's an addiction i don't know if you'll be able to stop I don't know if you if you ever heard of that app called Clubhouse. Uh, it landed last year. It's a it's an yeah. audio app where you can where you can talk to other people. And I I know what you mean when when you say it's an addiction because you know there was a a time probably you know middle of last year when you know everybody was on it and and it was really buzzing and everybody you know all the conversations happening it was it was quite nice and quite cool especially that we were just coming out of of the last lockdown that you know landed and lasted the the, the longest really so it was quite refreshing to you know meet other people while you stay in bed or you know walk around your house in your pajamas and you don't even have to change right you don't have to wash your hair, put your makeup on. You can still talk to people and they can't see you. That was really nice. But then, so I met all these really, really interesting and inspiring people who have such a fantastic profession that I never heard of. I never, I never even thought about that existed. And I just thought, Jesus, I need to share it with, with all those other people who don't know about it. I came across a fantastic lady and um, what she does, she specializes in uh, doing background checks on, on the staff of the super rich and ultra rich people. Uh, there's a guy who I met who's a buying agent, but he's not a buying agent in the sense of a property. He's a buying agent in terms of all the unique property or, you know, stuff you can imagine. For example, about two or three years ago, he was looking for, say, a Ford Mustang from 1974, limited edition of whatever it might be, worth four million, uh, four million pounds or, you know, say six million dollars or five million dollars, right? And he succeeded. He bought this, this ultra unique car for whoever was looking for it. Uh, I happen to to know a lady who who does amazing cakes, right? But the prices of her cakes start from six figures. That must be some unbelievable cake. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you think about all these like people, if if I was to put all these conversations into the podcast and and share with everybody else these are the people standing behind the super rich when you go to a wedding and you see this amazing amazing cake you know that it just happens there 
you don't really think about that person who might have spent, you know, weeks working on it, designing it, understanding all of the details, putting together all the flavors and everything that goes into it, right? If you see somebody driving the ultra unique, you know, Ford Mustang from 1974, you don't really think about how long it took somebody to, to find this car, you know, out of underground. And yeah, every, yeah, everything's I, got a story. Yeah, it does. It does. And especially I, I kind of, because I'm in this, in this world of, let's call them the super rich, but you know, ultra high net worth people who live a completely different lifestyle to what we even imagine. There's so many of these TV shows, you know, that, that show, a little bit of what it looks like but you need to remember there are tv shows and they're really created for for, for the ordinary people for the, for the people that watch tv right they're not really created for everybody else so i i want to show like the behind the scenes of what's going on there like everything that we don't really know about well, that sounds like good stuff. And I hope that, you know, when, when you finally do get around to, to launching your podcast, just get in touch so that I, I can follow along. Cause like I said, this just sounds like something I would really, really enjoy. No, I just wanted to say, I'm looking to launch it probably middle of this year. So, you know, I'll definitely keep you posted. Okay. Well, un unfortunately we're coming close to the end of our time here together. What I like to do at the tail end of each conversation is um, to, to share a little bit about what I've noticed that I like about the person who I've been talking to. You know, when, when we first got on, like, I, I didn't have any negative preconceptions about you. I mean, you're a dog person. So right there, I knew you were objectively good, but I didn't really know anything else, you know, and I'm, it's not like I was looking for things to like or dislike about you. I just, I found myself not worrying about all of that. I just, I found everything you said to be so engaging. And what I've noticed is that I, I think the thing I like the most about you is that you've got a bit of a different way of looking at things. It, it's not like you're um, romanticizing the mundane details but you you celebrate them. You understand the importance of them and the passion with which you describe some of these things. It's um, it's both refreshing and almost a little contagious. You know, I, I I'm just looking around my room now, and I'm thinking about like the things I I don't really consider a lot of the time, and I realize that every one of these things that I surround myself with has a story and there's a, an emotional touch point and that you've learned to understand that component of life and incorporate into your professional work, but also into your personal life conversations like this, this isn't the work thing. And you're, you're still talking about these same details. It's got me thinking about my environment in a bit of a different way. And thank you for that. Thank you for having me. So, Obviously, we don't know the name of your podcast yet, 
but if somebody was interested in learning a little bit about you, or maybe they wanted to contract your services, what would be the best way for them to go about finding you? Um, well, I'm pretty much on most of the social medias. You can, can find me on LinkedIn under, under my name, Julia Starzak. Uh, you can have a snoop around my website, starprojects.london. There is a, a few a few projects featured there as well. So feel free to get in touch however you like. Okay, and I'll make sure that um, we, we get some links from you. We'll post them in this week's show notes for those who are listening on audio. For those who are watching, the links will magically appear right here. Julia Starzik, thank you so much for your, your, your time today. I really enjoyed hanging out with you. It, it just was absolutely delightful. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation as well. <laughs>